Well, good morning again, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you had a good week. Hope your 4th of July was good. Um, it's good to see you all. Uh, we are in, I think, week eight or maybe week nine of Soundtracks. We've been in Soundtracks for a while. And if you haven't been with us, we've been uh, going through the fruit of the Spirit. And we've been looking at this reality that the truth you believe will produce the fruits you see. It's the idea of what you believe in your heart, what you believe in your mind, that's going to impact this outward world where we live and we interact and we have actions and we, we, we do different things and whatnot. But what's in here, what we believe, is going to impact what we see. And so we've been going through the fruits of the Spirit as we've been processing this idea. And what we believe about the fruit of the Spirit, what we believe about these different things, will impact whether we live them out or not. Now, uh, before we get into it, I want to ask you a question. If you had to describe God in two words, just two words, what words would you use? Just think about it. Now, we just sang some songs that use some words like holy and merciful, mighty, the Trinity that came up. Well, what were two words could you use? I, that would be hard, right? To try to narrow it down to two words. But if you had to, what would you use? Now, let's think about what, what words would society use, all right? Um, what you, words would our culture use? You know, I bet if we went around this room, there'd be a lot of variety of words, but I bet if we surveyed our culture, there'd be even more variety. You know, and in this room, there'd probably be a lot of positive words for God. There might be some negative ones, and that's okay if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I'm just not feeling it with God today. That, that's all right, I'm glad you're here. But I bet if we went out into a society, there'd be a wide range of just positive words for God, but then also probably some negative ones, because people have all sorts of different views and concepts of what, what's God like, what is his heart like, and whatnot. Well, today we're going to be looking at some words that God uses to describe himself. But before we get there, Galatians 5, to 23, this is where we find the fruit of the Spirit, and it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's pretty easy to figure out what we're talking about today. Gentleness. Let me ask you, when was the last time you thought about the word gentleness? It doesn't come up too often, at least for me, in just my everyday speech. But the times that I think about gentleness is when I'm around maybe a little kid. Um, my wife and I just had our first baby back in April. And there was fear of, oh my goodness, we're bringing home a little baby. I need to be gentle. I, it's going to break. Like I was scared of that. Um, and when we first brought her home, we packed her into that car so gently and then just shoved everything around. Like she could have gone like to the Indy 500. She would have been safe. Like she was in there because we wanted to protect her because we knew she's a baby. She's fragile. We need to be gentle. Three months later, we're still gentle, but that, it's not quite as gentle because she's, she's not quite as newborn. She's able to sit up, able to hold her head up. But we understand she's a baby. And then with kids, too, there's still this idea of, hey, kids, are, they're small. Uh, we need to be more gentle with them. Or what about people who have been injured? You know, someone might have a broken arm. And have you ever accidentally hugged someone who's hurt or sore or who has a sunburn? And they're like, oh, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. And then you try to just gently, like, pat them. You know, we have this recognition that, oh, they're hurt. There's a f they're fragile. I need to be more gentle. I need to be more careful. Or think about the saying, a bull in a china shop. That idea of someone who's not gentle, you know, going in and just wreaking havoc because, you know, chinaware, 
uh, porcelain, you need to be careful with it. You need to be gentle with it because it's fragile. All right, so there's some certain contexts where we think about this word gentleness or we understand, yeah, I should probably be more gentle here. But beyond those things, you know, so when someone's injured, maybe a little baby, you know, that porcelain figurine on the mantelpiece, like there's not many other instances where at least I think about, you know, what, I should probably be gentle. And so if you've been with us each week, we've looked at a lie, but then also the truth. And this is the lie that I think we as people can think about gentleness. It's this, <clears throat> that gentleness is at best a suggestion and at worst a weakness. A gentleness, you know, at best it's just a suggestion, but at worst it's a weakness. Think about our culture. Does our culture teach people to be gentle? I don't think so. Just go to social media, see how people interact with each other. People are not gentle. Now think about the stereotypical, like, man in society. What, he's not supposed to be gentle. He's supposed to be macho. He's supposed to be manly. He's, gentleness doesn't come up. Or think about just the idea of, you know, I got to be stoic. I can't be gentle. I have to, I have to pull myself up uh, from my own bootstraps. I got to take care of myself. How many people on your job resume did you put the word gentle when you went to get a new job? You know, that doesn't happen. We don't think about gentleness very often. And when we do, you know, it's babies, injuries, porcelain dolls. But besides that, it's just kind of, well, you can just get rid of it. It's a weakness. It's, it's holding me back. In the workplace, you know, you got to be cutthroat. You got to work hard. You got to get ahead so then you can get the, the raise, so then you can get the promotion before someone else. You know, we don't really think about that word gentle too often in our society. It just doesn't come up. And when it does, it's often a weakness. You, know, you think about those stereotypical names kids are called, you know, crybaby, you know, you're a sissy, things like that. You know, it's this idea of you got to be tough. You're gentle. Pff, that's holding you back, dude. It's a weakness for a lot of people. But I think we also can just kind of see it as a suggestion. And maybe as a Jesus follower, because we read, well, it's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. So I don't think if you're a believer today, you'll be like, ah, it's a weakness. No, it's in God's Word. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. But think about all the other fruit of the Spirit. Love. That's kind of an important one, right? Like we think about being a Jesus follower. You know, we think about self-control. We think about, man, I, I need more self-control. I wish I had more self-control. Patience. Oh, we obviously need that one, right? But gentleness? To me, gentleness just kind of feels like that one that just kind of got tossed in there. Where Paul's like, yeah, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now oh, what the heck? I'll put, I'll put gentleness in there. I need some more, you know, make it a little longer list. You know, it just kind of seems thrown in there. It kind of seems like a suggestion at best because all the other ones we know we need. Like, I'm sure we've all thought, you know, I need to love people more like Jesus. Or, you know, I need to have more faith like Jesus. When was the last time you heard someone say, hey, I'm really struggling to be gentle like Jesus? I've never heard anyone say that. It doesn't come up very often. So I really think this is the lie that our society, but then as Jesus follows, we can creep into our mind that, hey, gentleness, it's just a just suggestion. I got to love people. got to be faithful. Gotta, I need to pursue patience, although it's hard. But I wasn't gentle. Yeah. Did you, are you following me? It kind of just seems like a suggestion, or at worst, it's just a weakness. Now, gentleness, it's a hard concept to define. If you dive into the Hebrew or the Greek words, it's hard to kind of wrap our, our, like, 
our English words around the words that they use, because they use a variety of different words that we translate into English as the word gentle. Um, and so there's kind of all these different ideas kind of thrown into this concept of gentleness. There's uh, idea of humility, you know, kind of thinking, not thinking badly about yourself, but thinking about yourself less so you can think about others more. There's the idea of meekness. Meekness is just strength under control. You know, having that when you're gentle, you're, you're, you're limiting your strength so that you can be gentle with that baby or whatnot. This word gentleness has this idea of sensitivity of, uh, towards another person. It has this idea of being merciful and kind. It's kind of all of these things wrapped into one. And the way that I've been thinking about gentleness is this. Gentleness is the awareness of how to handle something with care. You know, hey, this is a porcelain, a porcelain doll. I got to be careful with it. You know, hey, this is an action figure. I got to play with it. I got crazy with it. You're like, you know, you know that. Um, I remember one time when I was a kid, I was probably seven or eight. Um, I had just had a snack and I had a, I had a butter knife and I was going to the, the kitchen to put the butter knife in the sink so then my mom could load it into the dishwasher because I wasn't going to do that. And so I'm walking into the kitchen and rather than take the next four or five steps and place it in, in the sink, I was too eager to get back to whatever I was doing and I just tossed the butter knife in. Next thing I hear, the shatter. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm dead. This is not good. I go up to the sink, and in the sink was this glass, this, this, this cup, this glass cup that I had shattered. And it was a special one to my mom. And I was like, oh boy, I'm dead. I wish it would have hit the plastic sippy cup that was next to it. Like, you know, because you understand that there are certain things we need to be careful with. We have an awareness that glass and whatnot we have to be gentle with. And if I would have known that cup was in there, I wouldn't have thrown that knife. I was seven or eight, so give me some slack. But you need to understand what I'm saying. We have an awareness of how to handle something with care. With a baby, we hold it a certain way. With a, with a toddler, it's a little different. And then with an elementary school kid, and then with a teenager, you know, we handle them differently because we have an awareness that they're at a different stage. We need a certain level of gentleness with, with a baby compared to a teenager. And so that's what gentleness is. And the reality is we handle valuable things with care, don't we? You know, if, like, as a kid, if I was holding my Game Boy, I wouldn't have thrown that into the sink because that was so valuable to me. Or as an adult, my laptop, like, I'm not throwing that thing around because I need that. I have work on it. I have documents on it. I, I can't hurt that. But a baseball, I'm chucking that around all the place because that's what it's designed for. And it's just a baseball. But valuable things we handle with care, whether that's objects, but even more so, I want us to think about people. Because people are the most valuable thing, right? And the fruit of the Spirit is meant to impact the way we live in this world, the way we interact with God and with people. And so we're going to think about uh, this idea of gentleness and dealing with people. And we're going we're to go right to the master. We're going to go to Jesus. Because I think when we look at the gospels, when we look at Jesus, we see him being gentle. We see him knowing how to handle people with care. He has an awareness. All right. So Jesus and gentleness. Jesus was gentle with all different kinds of people. You know, he's gentle with those who were different from him. Um, there's all sorts of places we could go to. 
Uh, John chapter 4, it's a, it's a story of Jesus and the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. It's a story we've looked at recently this year. Um, but you have Jesus, a male rabbi teacher, an Israelite, and then you have this Samaritan woman. Culturally speaking, they're like total opposites. And if you're not familiar with the story or the, the cultural context, uh, Jews, uh, Israelites, and Samaritans didn't get along. Israelites would walk literally miles and miles and miles around the land of Samaria to avoid interacting with them. And back in that time, you have a male teacher interacting with a, a female like that, that culturally just didn't, they didn't mix. So here, it's, they're completely different. And yet Jesus interacts with her. And if, I'd encourage you to read the story if you're not familiar with it in John chapter 4. Because this woman isn't just culturally different from him. Morally, she's, she's had five different husbands. And the woman or the guy he, she's living with now isn't her husband. She's kind of an outcast in society. In fact, that's probably why she was at the well by herself at that time of the day. Because she wouldn't have been welcome with the other women when they would have come to draw water earlier in the day. And yet, the way Jesus interacts with her is he's so gentle and kind. He doesn't disregard truth, but he's so caring and kind because he knows her situation. Jesus is also gentle with his friends and his disciples. We see this all throughout the Gospels where Jesus, he's teaching his disciples, and they just time and time again make mistakes. And rather than like, I'm just getting some new disciples, he kindly and gently cares for them and restores them. I think especially um, in John chapter 21, this is after Jesus has rose from the dead and he goes and he interacts with Peter. And what did Peter do the night that Jesus was arrested? He betrayed him three times. Imagine that reunion. You're Peter and here's Jesus who's come back to life and you've, you denied him three times. And if you read that story, Jesus gently Asks him three times, hey, Peter, do you love me? And it's a very, this is very gentle, kind way of restoring their relationship. And so Jesus, he's, he's aware of his friends and his disciples. He's also gentle with the vulnerable. We see this all throughout the Gospels too. Jesus has little kids come to him. His disciples are like, get away, kids. Don't be with Jesus. He's busy. And Jesus is like, no, let the kids come to me. Or the sick There's people with leprosy. There's people that are blind. There's people that's sick with all sorts of things, demon-possessed. And Jesus, he's gentle and kind and caring towards them. Jesus, he's also even gentle with his enemies. We see Jesus washing Judas' feet in John chapter 13. That's a gentle thing to do. Now, here's the thing. Being gentle doesn't mean you sweep truth under the rug. Being gentle doesn't mean you coddle people. Being gentle doesn't mean you disregard truth. Jesus and the woman at the well, he calls her out. He says, like, no, uh, you've had five husbands. Like, he knows the truth. He doesn't throw away truth in order to be gentle towards her. No, he has the truth, and he's still gentle. It's about the manner in which he talks to her. You think about his disciples. He calls them out at different times. But his manner towards them over and over again is gentleness. And his enemies, Jesus, he's really like fiery against, uh, you think about uh, the story Pastor Corey talked about two weeks ago, where he goes into the temple and he does the good thing. And he, he flips over the tables, scatters the money of the moneylenders, creates a whip. 
Now, that's not an image of gentle Jesus, right? But we have to hold these things in tension where Jesus, he, he's gentle, and we see that all over, but he also does a good thing. And in that situation, Jesus knew the poor and the vulnerable are being taken advantage of. God isn't being glorified in this. I have to do the good thing. But Jesus is still, and you see his manner and the way he approaches people over and over again. He's gentle. He has an awareness of how to handle them with care. Now, I think, I've been, as I've been processing this, I think there's kind of two different ways we tend to handle um, handling people. Specifically, those moments uh, of, um, where we could react. Or those moments that surprise us or those moments of conflict. We can either fight or flight. Have you ever heard that, that idea of the flight mentality or the fight mentality? Has anyone, has anyone heard those words put together at all in their life? All right, just making sure. All right, so I think sometimes we can have, some people have the fight mentality where they say, you know what? Here in this situation, someone accuses me of something or someone says this. I need to stand for truth and I need to do what's right. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand for what's right regardless of how I do it. I'm going to fight for truth doesn't matter if I run some people over because it's truth. On the flip side, there's others of us who have the flight mentality where we want to run away, where we say, you know what? This is what is true. This is what I should stand for, but I care more about our relationship, so I'm going to disregard truth in order to keep the peace. Jesus didn't do either. Jesus was gentle. Jesus was able to stand for truth, but also he was able to do it in a way where he cared for the other people without just bull rushing them. He wasn't a bull in a china shop, but he didn't disregard truth. See, I think sometimes why we think gentleness is a weakness is it kind of comes across like we're coddling people or we're, we're disregarding the issues or we're not standing for what's right. And that's not the truth. The reality is Jesus stood for the truth, but he did it in a way where he cared for people. He was gentle. He was able to hold that tension. And I think that's a hard tension for us to hold because if, if we're honest, I think we're wired to either fight or flight or there's kind of somewhere in the middle there. But that idea of being gentle is a lot harder to get to. And Jesus, when you read through the Gospels, you just see the way he lives his life, the manner in which he takes care of people is gentle. But there's a place, one place that I want, we're going to look at, where Jesus describes himself. There's actually only one place in the Gospels where Jesus, just in black and white, describes his heart. There's a lot of places where Jesus uses metaphors to describe himself. Like he says, I am the good shepherd. Or he says, um, I am the vine, you are the branches. Or he says things like that. You know, I am the bread of life. Those are, are metaphors. Those are things that you kind of have to sit with and kind of parcel out. What does that mean? But there's one place where Jesus, in just very black and white words, he uses two words to describe himself. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Let's see how Jesus describes himself. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for, your, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. At the beginning, I asked you, what two words would you use to describe God? I wonder what words you picked. 
Maybe some of us had these words, humble. Maybe some of us even had gentle. But I, my guess is the vast majority of us did not have the word gentle. Unless you looked at the follow along and knew what we were talking about today. All right? I'll be honest, when I think about Jesus, when I think about God, gentleness isn't that first word that pops in. I think about his mightiness. I think about his goodness. I think about the fact that he's all-powerful. I think about the fact that he created all things, the fact that he's gracious and merciful, that he's holy and just. That word gentle is kind of pretty far down the list for me. But for Jesus, it was right there at the top. This is significant. We have to think about this. If Jesus is going to describe himself like this, then we can't just brush this aside because this is significant. This is the way our God says, this is what I'm like. You want it in plain language? I'm humble and I'm gentle. Out of all the words he could have used, I think that should change the way we think about God. I don't know what your soundtrack is when, you, when like God comes into your brain, but this should be part of it. Because this is what Jesus says it is. He's humble and he's gentle at heart. Now this passage is a beautiful passage because it's an invitation for us. It's an invitation for people to come, to follow him. And not just people who have it all together, right? Does Jesus say, hey, you've got to get everything together, then you can come follow me, and then I'll be gentle towards you. No, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I bet all of us would say that's been you at some point. Maybe right now, that's you. Weary and carrying some heavy burdens. Jesus says he'll give you rest. Think about the burden of sin. If you're a Jesus follower and you've come to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, think about that burden of sin and then the recognizing the reality that, man, that doesn't have any power over me anymore. That's rest. Man, that... That life I used to live, that thing I did, even that thing I'm struggling with right now, in the grand scheme of eternity, I have Jesus' grace and mercy because he's handled me with care. He's given me his gentleness. This is an invitation. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, a yoke is something that they would put over the shoulders or the neck of two oxen to help them stay like in unison as they plow a field. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to be yoked with you. Come join me. And he's going to teach us how to live. He's going to teach us how to live our life. He's going to navigate us. He's going to work in our hearts. Now remember, he's not going to shy away from the truth. Because when we come to follow Jesus, it's not just, hey, it's not just about health and wealth and living the, your best life now. It's not just about getting everything you want. No, Jesus said, hey, you're yoked to me. I'm going to show you how to live for the Father. I'm going to show you how to live this life and sometimes that means he has to do the hard work in our hearts of digging out sin issues, of leading us in the way that he calls us to. Sometimes he calls us to do hard things. But his manner towards us, his posture towards us, is one of humility and gentleness. Because we don't deserve that. Because we're sinners. We've turned our backs on God. And yet he says, no, come back to me. Think about that. The God of the universe is like, I'm gentle and humble. Just come to me. If you're here today and you're not a Jesus follower, this is the way Jesus describes himself. It's an invitation for you to come be yoked to him, to come follow him, to give your life to him. And he's not saying, hey, come to me and I'll whip you into shape. 
I'm holy, bow down before me. That's all true. We need Jesus to whip us into shape. He is holy. But the manner in which he's going to handle us is going to be one of care. And as we grow and mature in our faith, as Jesus works in our life, sometimes it means he has to be a little less gentle towards us. But in the long run, gentleness and humility is the way that he describes himself. Remember, we handle things we value with gentleness. Think about this. The God of the universe wants to handle you with gentleness because he values you. Now let's flip this. If Jesus is gentle and we're supposed to follow after him, are we being gentle towards other people? Now, the New Testament calls us to be gentle. We're going to quick look at a couple passages. Um, Galatians 6.1 says this. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. You know, you know someone who's struggling, who's veering off, who's, who's not following after Jesus? He doesn't say, you know, bring out the big guns, bring them back. No, he says, approach them gently. Again, not disregarding truth, because Jesus didn't disregard truth, but do it in a way that's gentle, where you're aware of them, that you can have care for them, that you can handle them in a way that is kind and loving. First Peter 3.15, uh, Peter's talking to believers about how they interact with non-believers. It says, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. This is one that I think the church, just church as a whole, like big church across the world, I think we can struggle with this because we can get so fixated on the message of our faith, the truth of the gospel, which that's a good thing. Like we should know the truth and we should want to stand for the truth. And we want all these non-believers to, you got to know the truth and we want to you know, jam it down their throat, especially when they push against us and we want to push against them because we want them to know the truth. But here's the thing. Jesus was concerned about the message, but also the manner in which he delivered it. And so should we. We shouldn't just want to cram the Jesus down people's throat. We should want to do it in a way that's gentle and respectful. Because I think ultimately in the long run, that's what's going to help win people to Christ. Uh, the other week in our in youth group, we watched a movie. It's, it's called The Case for Christ. It's the true story about a guy named Lee Strobel who wrote a book called Case for Christ. And uh, if you've never seen it, it's a great movie. Lee Strobel uh, was an atheist. He was a writer for the Chicago Tribune back in like the 70s and 80s. And his wife came to follow Jesus. And Lee just goes nuts. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this. I need to, because he was a journalist, I need to investigate this faith that my wife has and I need to disprove it. So he goes on this long journey trying to disprove the resurrection and all these different things. And at the end of the movie, sorry, I'm gonna spoil it. He gets to this point where he comes to her and says, the evidence for your faith is overwhelming. The truth of her faith is just so overwhelming. After he studies everything, but then he says to her, but also, it was the way you, the way you treated me. Was, there was something different about you. See, he saw the truth of what she believed, but he also witnessed this life change in her, the manner in which she interacted with him. She was gentle and kind. Together, the message and the manner of our faith 
That's what changes people. Think about the woman at the well. If Jesus had just bull rushed into that woman's life with, with the truth, would that story have gone the same way? I don't think so. So we need to be careful when we're interacting with non-believers. And if you're still not convinced about this whole idea of gentleness, Titus 3, 1, 2 says this. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Instead of slandering and quarreling against each other and against other people and against society, we're called to be gentle. It's very different than the way that I tend to want to react. So let me ask you, would you say that you interact gently with people? Like if you just had to survey the way you've interacted with people this past week, would gentleness be on there? And if you're having trouble thinking about that, think about those reactionary moments. Because again, there are things about gentleness that I think we all would agree. Yeah, you hold a baby, you got to be gentle. Yeah, you got grandma's china wear on the mantle. Be careful. But think about the moments you interacted with people. How did you deal with conflict this past week? Especially when it jumped up at you, when it surprised you. Did you fight and stand for the truth? Did you flight and just like, ah, oh, forget the truth, but I'll try to coddle you? Like, or were you gentle and, hey, I'm going to approach you with truth. I, don't th- I think what you did was wrong or this is right, but I'm going to treat you with care. Like, think about the way you treated uh, those different people who you ran into with conflict. You know, what was your gut response this week when someone at work made a mistake? Come on, dude. Wasted our whole day's work. Now we got to start over. How dare you waste our company money and time? Get your act together, dude. Was that the response? How did you react to your spouse or your friend this week when they annoyed you? When you're clearly busy doing something and they come up and they ask you to do something, like in just a minute, they're like, no, can you please do not? Wait, just a minute. And then they, they keep bugging you and nagging you and annoying you. I'm sure none of us got annoyed this week, right? When that happened, how did you respond? Was there an outburst? Stop it. I'm not going to do that now. I, I'm doing this right now. I'll get to it later. Was there a passive aggressive comment? You know, I'm so busy, but I'll do it because I love you. Like, was there, was there something like that? Was there the roll of the eyes, the attitude? Or was there a response of gentleness where it's like, hey, honey, I love you. Can I get to that when I'm, I'm done with this? I'm, this is really busy. Like, do you get what I'm saying? There's a difference. And it's those moments where we get thrown conflict or annoyance. That it's those things that come at us that I think where our ability or our lack of ability to be gentle really starts to come out. Because overall, like, we're nice people. We're kind. We're gentle towards babies. We're gentle towards grandma's china wear. But it's those reactionary moments towards people where we see, are we really gentle or not? And here's the truth. You know, the lie is that gentleness is just, at best it's a suggestion, at worst it's a weakness. The truth is this, that gentleness is a gift to give and a strength to wield. The woman at the well was given the gift of eternal life by Jesus. If you read the story, he talks to her about this living water, and he's talking about this reality of salvation, eternal life that he can give her. They would have never gotten to that gift, again, if Jesus had bull rushed in there, and, all right, woman, this is wrong with you, this is wrong with you, this is wrong with you. No, he didn't shy away from the truth. 
but he did it in a way that was so gentle and caring and aware of her hurt and her pain. It was a gift that he was able to give. You know, gentleness is what creates a springboard for us to love and serve other people. You know, we can be, we can do loving things towards other people. Like we can, and we can do good things towards other people. We can be kind towards other people. We can have the fruit of the spirit of faith or patience or self-control. But I think we can do all those things without gentleness. Gentleness is really about the, it's not just about what I'm doing. It's about how I'm doing it. I'm doing it in a way that is sensitive to to where you're at and, and the, the hurt and pain you have and the fact that you're a human being too and that the world doesn't revolve around me and that, you know, it's that awareness. And when we give that to people, we're giving them a gift and God can use that as a springboard to minister and love them and tell them about Jesus. It's also a strength to wield because you know what? If it was a weakness, it would, just, it would be easy to do. But guess what? It's being a, it's a, being weak, gentleness is hard. I've been thinking about this a lot this week about my own life. And man, it's so easy for me to think I can be gentle, but then those reactionary moments when they pop up, like, it's a lot harder than I, than, I, than I think. I can struggle with it a lot more than I realized. But the moments where I have gentleness, it's really a strength, again, that God can use. He uses it to bless other people, to serve other people, to open up doors to tell them about Jesus. You know, and Colossians 3.12 talks about how gentleness, it's something we need to put on. It's like, a pair, it's like a shirt. It's like clothes we put on. Gentleness doesn't come naturally to us. It's something we have to put on. And it's a fruit of the Spirit, meaning we need the Holy Spirit to help produce it within us. If this was easy, if this was just a weakness, and we all could just do it, like, it wouldn't be something that we'd have to put on or, or beg the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to help work in us. But we got to do that because it's not just a weakness, it's a strength. And God can use it. And the amazing thing is this, when we have gentleness, you know, gentleness, being gentle, it reflects the very heart of Jesus. It reflects the very heart of Jesus. And it shows others that we value them. We can tell people about Jesus all the time. We can post about it. We can do those things. The truth, we need the truth. We need the message. But if we're lacking that manner in which we present it, of kindness and gentleness and humility and care and awareness of the other person, we're going to miss out on opportunities. And that's part of the consequence of not being gentle is we miss out on opportunities to love and serve others. And another consequence is when you're not gentle, people look at you as a porcupine. Do you know what I'm saying? People get close to you, and they want to be kind and caring towards you, but they know that you got those spines. that you're, When you react, you put them up. And so other people, they want to try to hug. Have you ever hugged a porcupine? I've never done that. But I'm sure that would be really hard. Wouldn't it be fun? You do it once and then never again. And when you aren't gentle toward people, when people get this impression in, your, in their brain that, you know what, you got to walk on eggshells around them because they're, they're, they have a short fuse. They're going to blow up. They're not going to react well to that conflict or you're going to annoy them. Be careful. You're going to miss out on opportunities to be loved and cared and have other people show you gentleness because the reality is we're all broken. We're all hurting at times. We're all weary. We all have burdens like Jesus said. 
And so we all need at times for someone to come around us and be gentle towards us. And if you don't believe that, then I don't know how you can believe the gospel because the reality of the gospel is you and I were broken and dead in our sin and Jesus was gentle enough to come to earth and die on a cross for us and love us and say, yoke yourself to me. Like, so if you're here today and you're struggling with this, you really got to process this because you might be missing out on opportunities to love other people, to love your spouse, to love your friends, to love your neighbors, to love your enemies. And you might be missing out on an opportunity to be loved because you're not gentle. There's one more verse we're going to look at. This is Isaiah 42. And this is a, a passage in the Old Testament where the, the coming Messiah is being prophesied about. And uh, Isaiah, he's talking, he's talking about, he's kind of, God is talking through Isaiah about the coming Messiah, the coming chosen one, which was Jesus. He says, look at my servant whom I strengthen. He's my chosen one who pleases me. I've put my spirit upon him. He'll bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He'll bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. It's easy to read this passage and just kind of fly right by that middle part. It's like, what in the world does that mean? But here's the reality. This passage is talking about the way the Messiah, the way Jesus would interact with people, and it's using these pictures of a weak reed and a flickering candle. And he says he won't crush a weak reed. He won't put out a flickering candle. You know, if you see a weed or... Or, or a reed or a piece of glass or grass that's, that's kind of bent and broken. You know, it's easy to break that. You just, just pull right out of the ground. You, you stomp on it. You, you tear it. It's easy to break a weak reed. Or a flickering candle, just one little puts it out. Or I hate it when I'm carrying a candle and it's smoldering and then you, you bump it and the, the wax comes up and puts it out. Oh, that's so frustrating. Like it's saying Jesus has an awareness about the weak reeds and the flickering candles meaning he knows about us because we're the weak reeds. We're the flickering candles as people. And here's the reality. Weak reeds and flickering candles, they don't come with signs around their necks. I was listening to a pastor talk about this past, this past week and he was talking about this reality that when we interact with people, they don't have a sign around their neck that says, hey, I'm a weak reed today. Hey, I'm a flickering candle today. Be careful with me. Hey, you need to be gentle with me because I'm feeling really anxious today. Hey, you need to be careful with me because you know what? I just lost someone or I just lost my job or I'm just pulling my hair out because I don't know how to, to deal with this, this relationship with my spouse or my kids or I just don't know what's going on. You need to be gentle with me. It'd be a lot easier to interact with people if they had those signs, right? But people don't. That's where... Why gentleness is so important for us to think about as something we need to learn to put on and ask the Holy Spirit to help us develop because we never know when we're interacting with people out here in the lobby or at work or with our family, we don't know what's going on inside of everybody. We can see a physical candle smoldering, but we can't see a, a person's heart that's smoldering. And so starting interacting with people with a gentle kind of awareness of, hey, I don't know what's going on in their life can go a long way. So I encourage you this week to really think about that, who you're interacting with. Imagine what sign might be around their neck. 
have some sensitivity to the fact that, hey, they live in this sinful, broken world just like you do. You might have some pain, but so might they. How can you be gentle towards them? The last thing as we begin to wrap up is this, is that gentleness can't just be taught, it needs to be caught. Meaning we can talk about gentleness all day, but I think the best way for us to learn how to be gentle is for us to see it in action, for us to experience it ourselves. Because gentleness doesn't come naturally to us. We tend to think the world revolves around us. We want to protect number one. We want to protect ourselves. We don't want to let other people hurt us. We don't want to let other people in. We become porcupines. We, we put our spines up and no one's going to hurt me. But it's amazing when someone treats us gentle, how that just can give you a breath of fresh air. And I've had times in my life where I've really hurt. And then you interact with just a random stranger who's just kind to you. Or the flip side, someone who has no idea the pain in my heart, but then they're so worried about their day that they just, they brush me off, they're mean to me, and it just, it just escalates the pain inside. I'm sure we can all relate. But gentleness has to, can't just be taught, it needs to be caught. And the first place to catch it is to accept Jesus' invitation to go to him. He, remember, he's humble and gentle at heart. He's a safe person you can go to. Take your pain and your brokenness to him. He's there for you. The second thing is find someone who is gentle, who you can be open with, with the pain that you're dealing with, the struggle you're dealing with, and let them show you what it looks like to be gentle. Because I believe when you experience it, it's a lot easier to then turn around and give it to someone else. And so maybe you're really hurting. Maybe you feel like a smoldering candle right now. Is there someone in your life who can be that gentle nudge to come alongside you, to listen to you, to care for you? Not just coddle you, but maybe speak the truth and love towards you, but to do it in a way that's kind and gentle. Thirdly, ask the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit. This is so important because it doesn't come natural. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit up until this week, I don't know if I had ever asked God to help me be more gentle. It's because I never really thought about it. But as I've been processing it and realizing all the times in my life I can struggle to be gentle, wow, I need the Holy Spirit to work in my life. The last thing I'll say is this, in order to catch gentleness rather than just be taught it. Next time you face that annoying moment, that reactionary moment, take a breath, drink a cup of coffee, or walk away. What do I mean by that? I think we're not gentle when we react because our reaction tends to be the, the porcupine spines, the porcupine quills. But it's amazing how if we just take three seconds to just, or three seconds to just take that drink, coffee, or just say, you know what? I know I can't be gentle now. I just gotta, I gotta go. We need to learn to respond rather than react. It's so easy to react, but it's a real strength to learn how to respond with gentleness. So we need to be taught this, and the way we are taught it, I believe, is by catching it. And so take your brokenness to Jesus this week. Find someone who you can sit with and you can learn gentleness from. Ask Holy Spirit to help you, and just pause. It's a lot easier to be gentle with some coffee in your hand, believe me. So, what two words would you use to describe our Lord? I hope as you move through this week, as you think about Jesus, that that word gentle just comes back into your mind. 
and that it helps change that soundtrack for you. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's kind of overwhelming the fact that you would be gentle to us. We turn our back on you so much. I can think of all the, the ways and the times that I've struggled, and yet you have been humble and gentle. You have been kind and caring towards us. And that doesn't disregard the fact that you are holy and mighty and all-powerful and just. But if you think about the manner in which you brought truth to this world, by becoming a baby yourself, by living and then dying for us. May your gentleness change us and make us and help us to be more gentle to the people around us. Because there's a world of angry porcupines around us, God, who are really just masking the pain and brokenness inside them. And the gentleness, Lord, I believe you can use to open up their hearts to eventually lead to conversations about you. Lord, thank you for being gentle. May you help us to have this gift to give and this strength to wield. We love you, Lord. Amen.